0: Another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Councillor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And we are not talking about week seven of college football, at least not exclusively, because seven weeks in to the year, fourteen weeks of college football on this program before we transition into the post-season draft style content, which means, Colin, that we are at the halfway point of our college football season, and I thought, and you thought, be a great time to revisit our 2024 rookie rankings.
1: That's right. You get to mid-season and get to dig back into... The rankings with some games behind us because you know we started the preseason and we gave our preseason big board and i have a feeling it's going to look a lot different now than it did in the preseason but i am very interested because i had a really tough time making a top 12 and just ordering these guys in general so i i'm very interested to see what yours looks like in comparison to what mine looks like because i know that you also had a tough time
0: it was incredibly difficult to rethink about this class in a holistic way just because when we think about the 2022 film how we informed our decisions coming into this season with all of the positional rankings that we did and a final big board that or are at that point, we did it mock draft style. I mean, it, it really has changed quite a bit. And it's it was very challenging to think about this class because one thing that we've talked quite a bit about thus far has been how strong the wide receivers have been. And it, it appears as though this is going to be one of the better wide receiver classes of the last several years. I was going back and trying to think, of you know when was the last time we had six wide receivers go in the first round the record is seven that's from 2004 and this weekend got me thinking man we might see six this year and there were six in 2022 and we know how that class has turned out through only two years but with stars like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and you know, some blossoming names, Drake London starting to emerge, Jamison Williams getting back on the field. There is a lot of buzz with those names. And this class, I think I see a lot of similarities in the sense that there's gonna be a ton of wide receiver talent the wide receivers are going to go early. That that is my prediction for this draft in October of 2023 (laughs) is that wide receivers are going to go early and often uh, because they're as equally impressive as the wide receivers have been. There are that many questions about this running back class.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just pulling up the 2004 NFL draft class to see what seven wide receivers went. We got Larry Fitzgerald, Roy Williams, Reggie Williams, Lee Evans. Ooh. Uh we got Michael Clayton, Michael Jenkins, and Rashawn Woods. So just a legendary wide receiver class yeah. in the first round.
0: <laughs> I mean sadly Two Hall of Famers. Yeah, I mean Or
1: I lied. Ooh. Two Pro Bowlers. I messed what? up the symbols.
0: What are the uh what are like the statistics of like all time? Like you have a twenty percent chance of being a Pro Bowl or an attempt. Like, if we have six guys go in the first round, are all six gonna be incredible? Well, maybe because the twenty twenty two class pretty damn good. But right um Yeah, that's we're we're getting into the you know the big picture, big brain combos, and we're not there <laughs> yet. And I don't even know why I'm pretending like we are because this class, we talked about it right before we started, Colin. It doesn't feel like last year. Last year felt very yeah. defined. It felt very clear. There were obviously names that sort of came and went, like the Zach Evans of the world and Zach Charbonnet. Hey, the Rise Zach and-
1: Evans might have a chance to, to play real snaps next week with Kyron Williams hurt. And Ronnie Rivers apparently going through something, too. So we might have a little bit of a Zach Evans resurgence.
0: You better believe I'll be there for it.
1: <laughs> but the running back class of this year is a little bit uh, foggy, I guess you could say. Because, I mean, none of them have really stood out. It's kind of been a theme of Camp Dynasty all year. is None of these guys have have taken the reins and become the true RB one of the class. Like you said, not like last year. Cause last year it was almost boring to talk about the running backs. Cause it was, you know, Bijan and Gibbs at the top and they'd never really moved throughout the entire off se- or throughout the entire season and off season. So it almost became like, okay, who else is here? And that, that became the talking point this year. It's the, the wide receiver class and, I mean, you could have three separate guys as your wide receiver, two, and give a good argument for it. Uh, and all there really is to lock in, in my opinion, is Marvin at 101. Everybody else is up in the air for me.
0: Yep, I agree with that, and we'll get into that um, as we move through the list. But um, the last thing I wanted to – I already forgot what the last thing I wanted to say was, so I guess I'm not going to say anything why don't we just get into our top 12 with all of that said? Uh, and, man, really curious to find out which direction you went at number 12, and I'm going to put you on the spot just like the good <laughs> I ex- old days. I
1: expected this. Uh, so number 12, I went with Oregon wide receiver Troy Franklin. A player that you introduced me to in the preseason, I'd say, and has won me over through this season. Uh, I mean, he's been nothing short of exceptional all year. He's had 100 yards in every game but one. He's racking up targets. He's racking up catches. He's racking up badges. I mean... He's getting in the end zone. He's doing everything that you would want him to do. He's a true alpha receiver. He's set to eclipse his numbers from last year pretty in the next two games if he keeps up this pace. Uh, he's already got 689 yards and eight touchdowns. Last year, his best season, he had 891 yards and nine touchdowns. So he is fast approaching those totals and i mean the tape is every bit as imp- impressive as the box score i mean he is just open all the time he is a elite separator in this class and he everything looks so easy he's so smooth he looks like he's running on a set of rails he's just snapping everything off so quick so smooth and it's just hard for the guys to keep up with him so i i got Troy franklin
0: here So what I was going to say was that this obviously is a Mm check-in. This is not informed by heavy tape grinding yet. That will come after the season. This is based on 2022 film plus what we have seen from these players through this, through the first half of this season. Now with that said, Right before we started, I said, you know, these top 12s, man, they could look really different, (laughs) or they might be exactly the same, and we're off to the same start, (laughs) because I have Troy Franklin at number 12. Now, there were, we'll talk about this at the end, players that just missed the cut. There were a lot of names I considered at number 12 right now, which says a lot about this class because I like Troy Franklin a lot. I think this is a really good player and he comes in at number 12 and there are like a hungry pack of wolves behind him. Like let me in. So as of right now, it seems like the depth of this class is going to be good. Those early seconds could be valuable, but obviously long ways away from knowing that for certain, but What I do know for certain is that Troy Franklin has had an unbelievable start to this season. Like you said, I mean, it feels like we give this guy a badge every single week. Um, Last year you saw the glimpses. You saw the, you know, what you were looking for out of a player with a big time recruiting pedigree, a player that was supposed to turn into something really special at Oregon and he's doing that and maybe more, maybe turning himself into a potential first round sort of NFL caliber wide receiver prospect. Um And I, yeah, there, there hasn't been much this year that I've been disappointed with or that I have identified as an area that he really needs to clean up. One number that has stood out to me, compared to last year is the contested catch numbers, because this was something that he excelled at in 2022, uh, being a ball winner, being a traditional X, that is really what this player is. We've talked quite a bit about that. He's a vertical winner. Um, but the contested stuff one for five thus far this season. So, um, that's one number out of this whole thing that really stands out as a, you know, potential area of weakness or concern in terms of the box score but man the one thing I can say about Troy Franklin is look at how they used him in this big time game against Washington and specifically how much Bo Nix relied on him late in that game when they needed to make a play when they needed to get big yards and move the ball down the field it was Troy Franklin and he was coming up with every single one of those mm-hmm. passes, getting all of those catches. And the one, you know, and that one of the final drives there as the game was getting really close back and forth, Troy Franklin was the one that found the end zone there. Uh, I believe it was to give them the lead at that point. So that says everything you need to know about what the team thinks about this player, what Bo Nix thinks about this player, and what this player is.
1: Yeah. And I, I loved how the announcers were like, onix needs to find troy franklin here yeah because that's the kind of player he is where he is the one that's getting singled out by defenses that need to be paying attention to him and by announcers where they're like man where is number 11 because they need to be getting him the ball more uh for contested catch opportunities that that is very true uh the fact that he's only had five contested catch targets uh out of 53 total targets is a testament to how open he is. Yeah. All, all the time. So uh but yeah, you would you would like to, you know, see that number be more up to 50%, you know, but it is a small small sample.
0: And that's a great point about why that really doesn't matter to me as much because he's a pure separator. Yep. Like he is an. You, you get these outside receivers, and sometimes it's like the gaudy contested catch stuff really pops off the screen. But are these guys separating? What is causing them to be in these contested situations time and time again? For a player like Troy Franklin, 2022 film showed that he can win at the catch point consistently. Uh, seven catches on 11 opportunities last year. This year, he just hasn't had that many of them. He's been open pretty often and so the the 20 percent rate this year yeah could be better but i we've seen him do it before and i don't think it's a weakness of his game uh and his ability to separate far exceeds that anyway so
1: and and then one more thing i want to touch on with franklin before we move on is the yards after catch last year in the full season he had 267 total yards after catch He already has more than that at 284 yards after catch and 7 yards after catch per reception versus 4.4 last year. So he is doing a lot more with the ball in his hands than he did last year, which is something that I mentioned preseason that I wanted to see more of out of Troy Franklin, and he is showing just that.
0: And a lot of that comes because of his speed too. Like, he's not a player that you get him into the middle of the field and he's going to, you know, make guys miss. But he will separate and then finish those nine balls. Like, yep. he he's getting a lot of those yards after catch because guys just can't keep up with him. Absolutely. And so, all right, exciting stuff. Talking about Troy Franklin, a player you can hear it already. We're very excited about the 12th player on this list <laughs> and only 11 more to go, and we're only going up from here. Uh, so, give me number eleven.
1: Number eleven is a running back. Hello, first running back of the program, Blake Corum. So, Blake Corum is Michigan's running back. He uh, has been having a it, it's a it's a solid season. It's a lower volume than we were anticipating going into the season Uh, we had some questions about how much is he going to play when is he going to be back to a full workload in this post-injury world and it looks like they might just be keeping him on a pitch count and that's totally cool because that preserves some semblance of draft stock that preserves some semblance of value and it lets him work back to full health probably for playoffs is what I would imagine so uh he's not having a stellar statistical season but he looks pretty close to the same guy uh especially the last couple weeks that he was last year when he was vying for a Heisman trophy before he got injured so the numbers are not gaudy and it's not the sexiest thing but Blake Corum looks like Blake Corum again and that is the most important part because he can be a workhorse though he is a little small. he can still carry the ball a ton of times he can still run between the tackles, he can get dirty yards and then he can also make people miss in the open field. so he he's the complete package running back and he's having a
0: fine season. This is easily the hardest player this year for me to know what to do with a hundred percent like, the talent that Blake Corum has is significant, and it's a player that, like you said, he doesn't get badges at Camp Dynasty because his numbers are never gaudy. It's never like, oh man, we gotta, you know, we gotta talk about this huge day from Blake Corum. But for the last year and a half, he has been an exceptional running back. I mean, everything about the running back position, Blake Corum does well. And that's why it was especially shocking, and obviously the injury plays a part in this potentially, but to see him go back to school, to put more mileage on these tires, and to be a player that by the time he is drafted will be 23 and a half, going into his first NFL season, he will be approaching the age of 24. It's just a player that I don't know how to value in Dynasty. As an NFL player, as an NFL eval, as a running back, it's like, yeah, this guy's good. He's going to help any team next year and for several years. But dynasty value, it's very hard to understand what this player is because he's an older player, because there's this mileage concern. And we've seen how that has worked out for talented running backs in the past. I mean, you think of Najee Harris, player that came in as an older back that, you know, dealt with some injuries early in his career. And then suddenly it was just immediately over the values tanked, the production's basically gone. So I say that just to be like, I'm, I'm hesitant on Blake Corum. And he is, as of right now, my first player out of my top 12. He came in at 13 first man off my list. Um, And we're going to find out a lot more about what to do with him exactly when we get to next spring that that's really what it comes down to for me
1: yeah i think a draft the draft is going to play a lot into blake Corum's value because the landing spot i mean is crucial for every running back clearly but i think the combination of landing spot and draft capital like what does the nfl think of blake Corum, is going to be the telltale sign of where he's going to start going in dynasty drafts because i totally agree it's like he's a little enigmatic where the the the, the talent is there and we is kind of like a charbonnet situation where if charbonnet would have went in after his junior year he probably would have ended up being drafted in the same spot that he was after his senior year and blake quorum it likely he likely would have been drafted higher if you'd have came out after his junior year because he's not having the the production and he's not putting the the same type of tape out like he's putting but it's all low all low volume so uh, right the yards
0: per carry is is about the same i mean and he's gonna
1: have more touchdowns like that that's true they're, it's just the yards
0: they're definitely managing his workload like you said i mean mm-hmm. that is definitely factoring into why this isn't going to be 1400 yards again right um and you know when you do watch him it's the same guy he's a quick feet skin, getting skinny through holes getting tough yards when you know boxes are stacked that's why you throw on quorum's tape and it's kind of like eh, you know nothing's really happening here but you see him running into these loaded fronts and and consistently getting 4 yards a carry and then having that ability to pop one every now and then by making a few guys miss i mean he is the definition we said this in the summer not a sexy running back but he is effective as hell and it will not shock me if he goes in that mid second round in right. the nfl maybe even as you know rb1 rb2 drafted and then you have to start thinking about okay this might not be a long term piece but if I want these three years of production out of Blake Corum, then, you know, where, where do I value that? So, um, right now I have these younger, higher upside players ahead of him, but if those players aren't valued as much by the NFL, then you have Mm to, you have to consider that. So,
1: yeah, I think there's a little bit of the, the legacy of Blake Corum and like the, the aura around Blake Corum that is going to play into a GM's decision too, where it's like, yeah, he was almost a Heisen in twenty twenty two. You know, he he played for Michigan. I I remember that Michigan Ohio State game. You know, all the scouts were there that day. I, I went there myself and watched him. <laughs> so clipboard in my hand. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see where where Blake ends up in in springtime. But
0: eleven for me, thirteen for you. Which means. That 11 for me is Drake May, quarterback, North Carolina. So f- first and foremost, do you have him higher than this on your list? I do not. He's at 14 for me. Okay. So I, that's this was one of the big questions for me coming into this was where, where did you land on Drake May? Because we both had him... In the first round, uh, when we did our way, way too early mock draft in the summertime, he was a first round pick right about in this spot, if I'm not mistaken, number 11. Um, and he hasn't done anything, he hasn't done anything wrong. He hasn't done anything to lose this spot, but I can totally understand with the depth of this class, with the sorts of names here. Uh, at these skill positions that you would drop a player even of this caliber out of the first. And that is something that right now I was not prepared to do, but I did certainly consider it because you it comes at the expense of guys like Quorum. It comes at the expense of some other names that I really like that we'll talk about later. And uh, But for me right now, man, Drake May, I... I said this in the summer. I'm going to keep saying it. I don't think the gap between him and Caleb is that extreme to the point where when we talk about Caleb in these ways of like, you know, we're going to take him maybe even top half of the first round in single quarterback, he's going to flirt with that. I think may deserves, you know, this sort of respect to say if we're taking Caleb at that point in the draft, may should certainly sneak into the end of the first because uh, like we've talked about, a player that has gotten himself you know, several badges already here at Camp Dynasty this year. The arm talent pops. He's only getting better this year in his uh, sophomore season, and the rushing upside is immense. So he looks to be a fantasy superstar in the making at the quarterback position, and even in one quarterback, I'm taking him first round.
1: Yeah, the only reason that Drake May is out of the first is because guys have moved into the first. It's, uh... But... Man, May... I I wouldn't blame you, taking him 11. I mean, he's absolutely a first-round... Like, he has first-round value as a quarterback, which is pretty rare in a single-quarterback format. So... Uh, we, we posed the question of where would you take Drake May in a Superflex draft? Would you take him over Marvin? And you said you would. And so this does not surprise me. That That's a, a little bit of a, a look at how you value this player. And, uh, I mean, I've been nothing but impressed with his arm talent and the stuff he does with his feet. I mean, there was some question marks about decision making early in the season because he had four interceptions in his first three games clean that right up i mean he hasn't thrown a pick since week three uh and i mean we fresh off giving him a badge in week six for his game he got syracuse in which he was dominant and like you said he's got rushing upside too so uh, if you are a six-point passing touchdown league, I think Drake May will be one of the elite quarterbacks walking in. So uh, I I don't have – I'm not going to, like, pose an argument against Drake May because I, I love this player, and I think that he absolutely deserves a spot
0: in round one. I just couldn't find it. Yeah, I get it, man. And if you're finding us – with this episode, hello, scoring settings are in the description. This they is a one-quarterback situation, but it is one-quarterback plus, which means six-point passing touchdowns and negative three for interception. So players like Drake May, who have this dual-threat nature that project as elite NFL passers, become serious weapons in, yep. in this scoring system. So number 10, Colin. Number 10, I have another running back,
1: Trey Benson, out of Florida State. So uh, Trey Benson has fallen, you might say. I had him as uh, my sixth overall player in the preseason. He's now sitting at 10. And uh, he's just been a little less efficient than I would want him to be. And Florida State that hasn't given him a ton to work with. I mean, there's he's hovering right around ten carries a game, which doesn't help, but in a lot of these games he isn't breaking tackles as it just doesn't feel the same as it did last year. You you know what I mean by that? Like in the twenty twenty two film. I, yeah, I, he we talked about bouncier. it bouncier, like, yeah. like he's just bouncing through tackles more often. Uh, and then this year it just feels like he's bogged down a little bit more often. Like he's not getting through that first tackler. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that there is a lot to like about Trey Benson. And I think that if you get him in the bottom of the first round, It's kind of house money because there is this player that's here that exists within Trey Benson that is an electric uh, tackle-breaking machine that can break angles, and I just feel like we don't see it enough and we haven't seen it enough this year to be able to bank on it. You know what I mean?
0: I get it. We gave him a badge – Last week, mm-hmm. 200 yards, two touchdowns, and even at that point in time, I said the missed tackles forced number, which was absurd last season, just off the charts insane, 79 missed tackles forced last year in limited carries, in, lim- in a limited workload. This year, through half of a season, he has 14. Right. Right. So that is very significantly lower. The yards after contact is also fairly significantly lower. Last year, averaging 4.53 yards after contact per attempt. This year, 3.8. So 0.7 yards per attempt after contact down this year. Statistically, you cannot it's it's black and white this has been a regression from trey benson 100 percent. a player that i expected was my rb1 coming into this season the 2022 film was electrifying it was breathtaking at times this has not looked like the same player to your point they're not giving him a ton of carries it's just like last year it, it, you know trey sean ward transfers and we now now we have uh this Toa feely character that's i mean he has highlights every week as well they're splitting these carries so i don't know what that means i don't know what it means and he's higher on my list i don't know if i should spill the beans right now let's
1: let's complete our thoughts later when we get to your spot for
0: okay Okay, well, yeah, let's talk later about Trey Benson. Um, I'm up with a running back. Yep. Number 10. Travion Henderson. I saw a grimace cross your face. You have I, it, him, wasn't, it wasn't a grimace. You have him higher.
1: I have him lower.
0: You have him lower.
1: I have him at 13. He's my first one out.
0: Okay. See, I thought I was going to have to be like, yeah, I no, get it. This is like lower than what I had on, news. in the summer. So this is a product of two things. Number one, the class is just, it's exploding. There are names climbing this list and they're not running backs. I got to tell you that and these running backs are getting pushed down and a player like Travion Henderson who two years ago was the de facto 101 of this class. Here's why it's a bad idea to project picks two years in the future because this was supposed to be the number one pick in this class. He's fighting for a first round spot in both of our rankings and we have a generational talent at the top right now that no one was talking about two years ago. So, We got to not get too far ahead of ourselves, but that does not mean that Travion Henderson is a bad player. And in fact, one of the biggest questions this year was, will we see remnants of 2021 Travion this year in terms of explosiveness, in terms of speed? You could argue that those flashes have been there. We we gave him a badge in the Notre Dame week that – Long run that he had, the touchdown run. There was speed, there was burst, there was ability to get outside and finish the run. That all looks great. The foot injury, whatever that was, doesn't seem to be significantly impacting him. The problem is he can't get on the field this year. So now we have a player that had a significant foot injury last year. There were a ton of question marks with him. Will he return to his former self? And even though it looks like maybe he has a bit of that juice back, now we have more injuries. And we, we have not been able to re you know familiarize ourselves, get reacclimated with the player that could be RB1 in this class. And so at this point in time, I'm not ready to, you know, shoot him up these rankings and, and give him the crown back. Like he's we, we're not there with Travion yet.
1: What I love about college football, my favorite part, is undisclosed injuries. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I know it's, it's actually unimportant in the grand scheme of things, but when I'm like, hey, what's going on with this player? And you, like, look it up and, hey, Henderson missed the Maryland game with an undisclosed injury. He should be ready against Purdue. And then he doesn't play against Purdue. It's like, all right, so what, what are we doing here? That being said, we don't know if it's related to the foot injury. Like, he's, and that's the question mark that gets thrown up in the air. Cause of course it is. He has a surgically repaired foot. Like, but the last time we saw him, he looked pretty good. And he had a little bit of juice and he's, he's looked, pretty good in the first four games but he just hasn't played since then uh also ohio state's o-line is getting a little bit worse it doesn't look fantastic and i mean last year you had paris johnson and dewan jones so if you're comparing it to that it's going to be a stark difference but it's not the same line that he was running behind in 2021 not even in 2022 so uh we'll see if he can work his way back and get healthy and you know get back to old form but as of now he is not that so uh hold him at 13 first one out until he can potentially steal Blake Corum's spot
0: yeah I it's the story of this class right now is these running backs we said coming into the year we need answers we need to see stuff we these players are not you know they're not getting thrown to the top of this class based off of what happened two years ago you know like there's too many talented players this year for that and i really would love any of these running backs to be quite honest with you to really seize hold of it and they're just not they're not doing it right now And that's not to say Travion Henderson can't be a phenomenal NFL football player. But based on the evidence that we have for the last one and a half years, it's getting harder and harder to envision that right now. 2021, that's a long time ago. And we can't hold on to that forever. And so hopefully we get some Travion. That is a long time ago. Yeah. Man, football sense. Wow. Think about what the world looked like in 2021 in, in your dynasty league. Think about which players had value.
1: I can't even picture. 2021. They're all off that your was team so long now. Ago.
0: They got replaced by all the 21 year olds. It's true. That's how that works. Cooper they're, Cup, they're, right? He <laughs> sucks.
1: <laughs> they're also managing Travion's workload. Yeah. A la Blake Corum, he's hasn't had 15 carries in a game this season. Uh, And against Youngstown in week two, he only had five. So this is another player to monitor. I mean, again, coming back from injury, coming off of surgery, we'll see if he's holding up, but it looks like they are also going to be cautious with him.
0: Number nine. Number
1: nine is a wide receiver from Washington, Romo Dunze. So, I declared before the season, uh, not in our preseason rankings, but before that, that Romo Odunze was going to be my wide receiver 2 in this class because I love him as a player. Uh, that is not the case, but I still love him as a player. Uh, the only reason that I have my wide receiver 5 is because the other 4 receivers are really damn good. <laughs> so, uh, Odunze, I mean, six three two fifteen. Alpha receiver. He's going up, getting contested catches. Do you have him higher?
0: I do have him higher.
1: Okay, uh, we'll wait to talk about him till we get to your spot then. Okay. All right. Oh I, I almost just went right into it. I did no, it. With, I, that, that's a, if you would like to say a no, piece, no, no. I I I did it already. I don't want to do it again. Okay.
0: There's no rules here.
1: I know we may trying to establish some, okay, before we just get get all willy nilly about everything.
0: Okay, well, I have a feeling we might be in a similar boat right now because okay. at some point you got to have a player higher than I do. At some and point, I think I think that's gonna happen right now. Maybe number nine on my list, running back, Braylon Allen.
1: I do have him higher.
0: So we're just going to keep playing the let's waiting just, game.
1: Let's just keep it keep it moving. Okay. We'll talk about so, him eventually. I promise. We'll,
0: we're going to get there soon. So number nine for you was Odunze. Yep. And I have him higher. And number nine for me is Braylon Allen, and you have him higher. That's right. We'll correct. talk about those players shortly. Number eight?
1: For me is Emeka Igbuka.
0: Okay. Let's talk about him. Do you have him higher? I have him... One spot higher.
1: Okay. Let's talk about Emeka. So Emeka Egbuka has been lost in the Marvin Harrison Jr. limelight. Uh, but he also has been a little underwhelming on the production side of things. It hasn't been terrible, but it also hasn't been spectacular. Um, Egbuka has also been a little banged up. So that is a little bit of a storyline, uh, and he has only one game with more than five catches on the season. Now he looks pretty much like the same player. I mean, he he has the the same juice as he did. It's just the Ohio State offense is a little harder to watch than I would like it to be. You know, it, it feels like this should be so easy, but Kyle McCord just might not be very good. I think that's the the consensus that I'm coming to. We we made a call home. Uh, I think it was week one or week two. i Week check. one, I believe. Yeah, it was week one. Uh, we called home for Emeka and Marvin. And that was actually a call home for Kyle McCord because we're like, get these guys the ball, man. And, I mean, he's been getting Marvin the ball, and we'll talk about that later. But Emeka just is not getting very many targets. Uh, I I mentioned he only had one game over five catches. Uh, He's had four targets in three of five games played. And that's just not enough. For an elite playmaker, especially one that can make plays with the ball in his hands like a can. So, a lot of his numbers have regressed. You know, the yards after catch per reception is only 6.4, and that's independent of how many times he's getting the ball, that's just how many yards he's getting after the catch uh his yards per route run has gone down that's kind of a byproduct of how often he's getting targeted because you know if you're running a lot of routes not getting targeted can't get yards uh his a dot's about the same so he's not uh, getting many explosives as long as is only 28 yards so uh i'm gonna blame kyle mccord for his lack of production because that feels right
0: yeah i'm not I'm not really concerned right now with this, whatever's going on here, the lack of production, and certainly the injuries here have played a part in this as well. Agbuka was our, collectively, number two wide receiver going into this season. And by no fault of his own, he has lost traction in this class. I mean, there are just extremely talented players in this class. And Agbuka is one of them. I I truly still believe that this is a phenomenal NFL wide receiver prospect. But I think one thing with Agbuka and and we talked about him sort of playing this slot role, kind of being a JSN-esque presence for this team. And the big thing with JSN last year was, you know he he's not playing, but we're not gonna we're not gonna ding him. Unfortunately, there just weren't names to take JSN's spot. He had that level of talent in that class, and this year there's just guys that are surpassing him. and And I hope that the second half of this year is full of targets, full of yards, and it becomes a little bit easier to to remember. You know what you saw in 2022 versus these other top names, but by putting him at number 7 in this class right now which is where he is for me there's no way of saying like you know this is a down year he's plummeting down the board and all this like it, it if anything it just says this draft is deep as hell that a player like this comes in at number 7
1: yeah and i was thinking that he was playing outside more often than he was before cuz that's kind of what it feels like but the stats are not saying that. So maybe I'm tripping because it, it's, it's, the stats are telling me that he's played 75%, which is a career high in the slot. So Numbers don't uh, lie. They don't. And uh, tape lies, apparently. <laughs> no. does, uh,
0: does PFF grade lie? <laughs> that's a number.
1: No, it does not. It is well, then, he, then he has true. regressed this year. Absolutely. Me and PFF agree.
0: <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> okay, so your number eight player is?
0: My number eight player is Caleb Williams. Okay. So where where is he? I'm I have
1: nervous. him I have him a bit higher. I have him at six.
0: Okay. So this is gonna be one of the biggest conversations of the year. Uh once we get out of college football and we really start to talk about final rankings and getting into the draft cycle what happens to Caleb Williams in dynasty rankings because in the preseason I had him at number seven and I said at that point in time that's pretty much as high as I'm going to put a quarterback in these scoring settings and right now it's it's literally just a case of I respect the talent of these wide receivers so much that there are our names pushing him slightly down the board. It's, it's another one of these cases where I'm seeing you know what I view as potentially high-end, elite-level wide receiver prospects, and I am choosing them over a quarterback. But this is still one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen. And I know that's hard to accept coming out of a week like week. this because now we have the folks. Remember what we said? Yep. Do you remember what I said? What I- is the one thing people will turn on him for? We talked about the size, said, no, they won't do that. Well, what if he all of a sudden starts turning the ball over a lot? Then suddenly everyone's going to start saying he's careless with the ball. This He's a gunslinger. It's never going to work at the next level. And literally the first game that he implodes in his entire collegiate career, there were folks saying, Drake May is better. Maybe even other quarterbacks are better. I mean, like, the takes this weekend were just out of control. People needed their phones taken away.
1: Yeah. So I'm on Bears Twitter, which is a fun experience because one of – my best friends is a bears fan i apologize i'm sure he's listening uh and so he you know i end up seeing a lot of his stuff that he interacts with on the for you page uh and the amount of people since they hold pick one and pick two and they have an uncertain future at quarterback they're like well we don't even want caleb williams now Like, there's no reason for us to take kill booms. It's just like Justin Fields all over again. You know, he's running around back there. He can't process. He's throwing it just up for grabs, whatever. And a lot of people agreed with those takes. And like you said, people just need to put the phone down for a second and think. I mean, the kid has thrown nine interceptions before this season he's thrown four total this year three of them happened to be in one game that's correct uh but good lord the the activity that was on the tl just saying things that they clearly have only watched the one game of Caleb williams or they must have only watched the one game because if you watched any of his first five, you would not have any of those opinions. There's no way you could have any of those opinions. And, like, be honest with yourself that that is the truth that you believe. Because it's embarrassing. But there there is a little bit of Caleb's gone rogue, and usually it works out. And that's the key is like, he'll go and he'll like run around for a while. And this is what we criticize them for in the preseason. And this is what I'll continue to criticize him for is like, he's trying to make a play. And the fact that he has the talent to make the play, like 75% of the time makes up for the 25% of the time that it doesn't. But that, that 25% of the time, it's like, he took a sack for a loss of 20. Or he threw a pick because he trusted his arm a little too much, and that—that's where these, the Notre Dame game, it all accumulated, to here we are. Like this is his worst game ever, and everybody, that many people, are now all over him and i i'm just disappointed with the discourse but i'm not surprised because we knew that there was going to be some point that there was going to be this discourse and we were just wondering what exactly it could be and uh you hit the nail on the head it was just as bad as we thought it could
0: be and i mean to be clear it's okay to criticize this performance yeah yeah of course like no one is sitting here trying to say, like, this was a, an excusable performance from Caleb Williams. Like, this was a bad game. It was. And honestly, he last week. took
1: seven sacks.
0: Right. And last week against Arizona also was not his best week. So now yep. we have these back-to-back games where you see a little bit of mortality from this player. But to say that, you know, two weeks overrides – the entire body of work here and suddenly he's exposed and he's not the player that we thought he was. I mean, it's just lazy is what it is. Like people want to react to something. They want to be contrarian to something like it doesn't three picks in one game. Doesn't mean that he's a bust. (laughs) It doesn't mean that he shouldn't be the first overall pick. In fact, uh, there's, only more and more buzz from NFL circles that teams are like locking in on the number one pick, like never before trying to get this player. So um, yeah, I, like I said, I mean, he's at number eight. That is still an incredibly high spot for me to put a player. And honestly, as things kind of even out a little bit and we start to figure out a little bit more about this class, I think, that position could climb closer to where you have him right now at number six
1: yeah let me actually talk about his ranking now go for of it just because i can get, <laughs> I get that it. off my chest I get it uh i have him at six because he is you know one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in a while uh and He also has rushing upside, but the reason I have him at six is because I'm just tired of not putting quarterbacks high, especially with this six-point passing touchdown. Uh, When a guy like this is probably going to have a 15-year career and you can just have a quarterback for 15 years on your dynasty team. And, like, that's worth more to me than uh, my wide receiver four, you know? So, I, I'm just throwing them at six, and I feel great about it. That, that That's the my justification for ranking them so high. And uh, I understand if you don't want to have a quarterback that high because you do need to start probably three wide receivers or three running backs or depending on how many flexes you have. And so, you need those positions, but... I'm just, I'm just getting my guy, and setting and forgetting.
0: Draft elite talents. That's what we learn here. Yep. And if you know, I wouldn't have these wide receivers above him if I didn't think they had elite NFL upside. If they were anything like the wide receivers last year, not including at least JSN, he, he, I'd put Caleb above all of them because the talent is just that much better. And honestly, going back to Drake May real quick, I think we're gonna we're gonna get to a situation where these two players are locks in the first round, and that they're going higher than we're used to seeing. Um, so we'll get to that point, but for now, respecting Caleb, respecting the generational label, and what we saw in the 2022 film, and what we've seen up through this uh, point of the season. So
1: are you giving them the generational tag? It's an exclusive I, tag at, at camp. Dine?
0: See, I I'm actually starting to subscribe to the idea that it's no longer an exclusive tag that we just we can just throw that word around when we want to say like this guy's really good. Really good. <laughs> see, because I thought the, we
1: talked about this. I haven't. I,
0: I, I've been purposely
1: net not saying generational.
0: No, I did it behind your back. Oh, I just God. Like I I think I who did I, I called another guy generational the other day.
1: Was it Dallas Turner?
0: Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think it was Brock Bowers, maybe. And I was yeah, like, you know, three years Brock ago, Bowers. we had another generation. So what is generational? It's not, you know, we're not seeing these guys every 10 years, but do I want to say that Caleb Williams is a step above most other quarterbacks that I've ever watched? Yeah, okay, I'm going to call him generational then. Okay. So that's my new philosophy. and I'm, right. We can... We can decide if that is the generational is official
1: since Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Where are we at? Uh, uh, we are at. Um. That was number eight for me. Yeah.
1: And number seven, I have not done my number seven yet. Your number seven is a Mecca Ibuka. Yep. Mine is Raheem Rocket Sanders so this is a interesting player i'll say because he hasn't seen the field very much Uh, he's been hurt with an undisclosed injury this season so we got a so-so performance week one against western carolina that's a thing uh had two touchdowns only 42 yards on 15 carries uh he was out since that game till week five. Only had eleven carries, turned out for thirty-four yards. Not good. And then he played Ole Miss in week six. Eight carries, fifteen yards. Even worse. So he has had a poor season to say the least. Um so he has fallen down my rankings. He was my number two player in this class in the preseason. He's fallen all the way down to number seven. Um, and it's just cause the best available, the best ability is availability. Uh, when he's been on the field, he has not looked good. And the, the patented rocket has not been there. So that those are, for those reasons, I'm out, I guess is the, the easy way to say it.
0: Well, if you're out, then what does that make me? Because he's (laughs) not in my top 12.
1: Oh, brutal.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's have a conversation about Rocket Sanders. So this obviously, like you said, was your number one running back coming into the year. He was my number three running back. He was behind Braylon Allen, behind Trey Benson, but he was ahead of uh, Travion Henderson and Blake Corum right now it's a player that scares me a lot he scares me a lot and
1: one hit wonder maybe
0: yeah i so there's some concerns right now with po- potentially football shape with this player and he's dealing with injuries and when he gets back on the field he does not look even remotely close to the same player. And to be quite honest with you, I was not as enamored with the 2022 film as the stats make it appear. A player that has 1400 yards rushing. He was my number 3 player, but it was more so on the sense of I wasn't in love with anybody else on that list. So, I'm not trying to say Rocket Sanders RIP Type up the gravestone, you know, may God rest your soul. But for right it sounds now, like that's what you're saying. I mean, he he can he can prove me wrong. He can come back into this conversation, but I don't think he is going to enter the conversation for me at the levels of what it seemed like he could have coming into this year. I think some other players, despite the question marks and. Honestly, we're going to talk about this later. There's running backs right now that are not in my top 12, that were not in my top five coming into this season that are really impressing me. Like we'll talk about them later. I don't, I didn't stick them into the first round here yet, but there are a handful of guys here that are really impressing me. And I would not be shocked that one or more of those players kind of starts to Feed into this, you know, first round running back conversation because these guys that we had, I mentioned this last week. Maybe it's a matter of reinventing what you thought you knew, Th- rethinking about a class saying, just because I had this guy at number three doesn't mean I need to keep him there. And right now, Rocket is not doing enough to prove to me that he belongs in this conversation.
1: Uh, that's totally fair. And uh, I dropped him from number two to my bottom half of my first round and mostly am keeping him there because i did love the 2022 film but that's gonna go away pretty quick Uh, i mean if the back half of the season looks anything even remotely close to the front half of the season i mean there's no reason to keep him in the even the back half of the first round so uh, he's holding on to the spot, but there are a lot of guys that are, would be happy to take the spot. So, uh, unfortunately this is a little bit of a, uh, Raheem Sanders funeral. It's like, well, we're, we're laying him to rest
0: here. Here's the thing. Wouldn't be shocked if he goes back to school. Right. Like, yeah, there, he like, there's going to be guys on these lists. There, there were last year. There's going to be guys that go back to school. This is one of them that I think has a shot. If if this season does not go to the, you know, if it continues in this direction, you got to think he's going to try to prove himself one more year cuz he's not an old player at this point. He's 21 right now. He would be newly 22 next April. So get drafted be one of those like 20 late 22 year old running backs it's in the cards for him, but you know, we don't need to get that far right now, but, um, it it is shocking the, what we've seen this year after the performance from last year.
1: It's absolutely worth noting. I think, I mean, it's not like crazy to bring it up because if he does have an injury riddled season all year and, uh, he ends up with totals that he's on pace for there. I mean, the draft stock is not going to be where he would have expected it to be. So I could see him going back for sure. So I don't think it's a crazy conversation to have. I don't think it's too early to have that kind of conversation, but we do need to see how the back half of the season goes, but so far not so good.
0: So number six For me, this is where we get to talk about Rome Odunze. Ooh. So, yes. Hell yeah. I do have Odunze over Emeka Egbuka. If you're doing math at home and you've listened to Camp Dynasty enough or you know enough about this class, you can probably deduce that this is my wide receiver four as of right now. And – A lot of what we talked about, man, in the preseason with this player being extremely impressed by his 2022 film, but just wanting to see a little bit more consistency from him, see him take his game to the next level. In my opinion, that is what we have seen through one half of 2023. I feel like he has evolved his game. Some of the areas that we wanted to see more from him, he's showing it. He's putting it on tape. Number one, the contested catch numbers are way up this year. Seven for 10 thus far, good for 70%. That is compared to the 25%, four for 16 from last season. He's proving that he can be that down the field ball winner That he flashed in 2022, and we said, if you take this up a notch, if you turn this into a consistent part of your game, something that we can count on as a player that has the athleticism and the ability to stretch the field as a 6'3", 215-pound player, if you show that ability to then win balls down the field and play a little bit of that alpha wide receiver game, then we're talking about you in a different way. And so far, that's what we've seen. He has been an absolute alpha. Washington has been one of the stories of the year, and it's Odunze leading the charge, being Penix's guy once again this year, but even at a better clip than last year. 736 yards so far this year, and he had that 1,100-yard season last year. On pace to eclipse that, Will almost certainly eclipses touchdown numbers. Seven last year, he's up to six now. This year, after the two, including the game winner against Oregon last week, he's he's evolved and he's becoming an elite wide receiver prospect, in my opinion.
1: I think I might like your list better than mine. (laughs) Just because we we give Romo Dunze at six, I mean, I wish – I wish I would have put Rome at 6. The
0: good this, thing is these is aren't nice. this isn't final, you know. I this know. is a check-in.
1: You're right. Uh he's been so good this year. I I mean Washington has been a blast to watch. And that has to do with the whole offense. Like this whole thing is a well-oiled machine. Odunze, McMillan, Polk, and of course the big Penix Energy leading the charge. Big
0: Penix Energy. <laughs> big Penix Energy.
1: I was glad that me and Desmond Howard were on the same page. Because <laughs> I, I went, I tried, so there was the Kayshawn Boutte versus Booty discussion that we had last year. It ended up being Booty. And so I was like, you know what, I, I'm i pretty sure it's Penix, so I'm going with Penix, and it ended up being Penix. But, you know, me and Desmond Howard, we're, we're on board the, the Penix train so well, that's uh that's <laughs> one way to put it <laughs> the big Phoenix, we're we're all on it so uh odunze is the one receiving most of Phoenix's load and that's exciting because man i love to watch that
0: <laughs>
1: we can't the we after dark <laughs> Hell, we made it. it it is late and i've been up for way too many hours <laughs> but uh in all seriousness the Odunze there's not many things that he can't do he's not really there's not a lot of flaws in his game I don't know how he is as a blocker because I haven't watched the all 22 Uh, but when it comes to being a receiver he has improved in all the categories we've wanted wanted to him if I can speak now if we he's done well he's a good player hell yeah He's improved in all of the places we've wanted him to improve so uh having him at six is a real nice spot having him at wide receiver four is also a real nice spot because of the other three that are ahead of him so um i'm i mean i'm a huge Odunze fan and i one of the many reasons i love watching washington r.i.p the pac 12.
0: yeah unfortunate what a but... shame Um, one thing we haven't really discussed yet with these wide receivers outside of the contested stuff, which is part of it, but hands, a lot of good hands players in this class, you don't have to worry about it with a lot of these guys. Troy Franklin actually is the one I think right now with the highest drop rate and it's still sub 10%. It's it's, and it's higher than it was last year. So, uh, he had sure hands last year, a little bit higher this year, but guy like Odunze, two drops on the year on 57 targets, and they both came in the same game, uh, For sub-five drop rate for him. So a lot of sure-handed players, bigger players, field stretchers. I mean, like this class is full of these sorts of players that you can project as maybe something special at the NFL level, guys that can elevate a wide receiver room, can elevate an offense. And I think Odunze is – within that conversation right now
1: yeah i agree this is a very different class in that sense than last year because there were a ton of question marks about like what roles are these guys going to fill you know jsn he's a slot receiver he's a peer technician what's it going to look like and we've seen kind of the fruits of that in his first season where he's not seen the field a ton because they're running a bunch of two tight end sets and he's a slot receiver uh quinn johnson i mean he's a deep threat he's good with the ball on his hands what's going to happen there jordan addison he's a thin player uh, he doesn't deal well with press what's going to happen there and i think this class is like we have a bunch of x receivers that can win at the catch point and we don't they can plug into basically any scheme any offense and that's pretty special
0: well, we haven't even made it to the top four of this class, which I would argue is the real special group here, but uh, we're on number five. Yeah. Do we know you you're number
1: five? Do you want to finally talk about Braylon Allen? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah, let's do it. So <laughs> Forgot about uh, that guy. <laughs> you had Braylon Allen at number nine. Uh, I have him at number five. Um I just think that if there's a running back that has taken the RB1 mantle, it's Braylon Allen. And I think that because he has the frame, he has the breakaway speed, uh, and he's been just... I don't know. It, it it feels good to watch Braylon Allen in this offense. He's he's making it work. I I liked what they had with him and Chez Malusi. It felt like a nice one two punch, unfortunately. Malusi went down with the injury, uh, and now it is Braylon Allen carrying most of this load. I, I mean he's had more carries in his last three games than he did in pretty much all of the season. So they're giving him the rock. And I just like what he's doing from a power back standpoint. And I can't stop thinking about Braylon Allen on the Ravens. That is like all that's been on my mind for like four weeks is like, hey, let's get this kid in a Ravens jersey so
0: he can take some hits for Lamar. So here's my thing with Braylon Allen right now. I have him ranked number nine, but that comes with a caveat that I can almost guarantee you he will not be number nine when we draft these players next summer. Like right now, I am respecting the talent of the players ahead of him and putting him in this spot. But I think you're right if they're – so Allen was my number two running back. coming. I think he was your number two coming into the year as well. Yep. Is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: So number two running back for both of us coming into the year. And, I mean, talk about all the big, you know, the talking points with Braylon Allen. The age. He's a 19-year-old player. He was running for 1,200 yards as a 17-year-old in the Big Ten.
1: That's nuts.
0: Insane talk about his frame his 62 240 or whatever he is now just absolute brick shit house running through guys again we got the truck stick moment this week all the physical tools are there the production boxes are checked everything i just don't think he has arrived as that sort of a player yet where I feel confident projecting him above these wide receivers. I don't see the talent right now superseding some of these wide receivers. When he gets drafted in the second round in the spring, he will instantly become a top five player in this class. That's pretty much my guarantee. So I'm doing the cheeky thing right now where I'm – I'm doing the talent stuff because there is no landing spot. I don't know where this player is going to be, that's, that's where he's going to be drafted. So right now, based on talent alone, I have him at number nine. But he's still my RB2, and I still think of this class of mystery, he has been one of the only ones that hasn't really hurt himself like some of these other guys have.
1: You know, all that being said before, uh, if he's going to wear – the axiom helmet the power ranger helmet that has no top bar and it's just the visor coming out i don't know if i can rank them this high (laughs) because it's just i understand it's a safe helmet and like it's for concussions but like guys trying to protect himself man it looks like shit and it's my least favorite I tried to talk myself into it because it's, you know, becoming a popular thing. I know this is not the content people are looking for, but good Might lord, be. is that an ugly fucking helmet? Excuse my language, but Jesus. Uh, so I don't love that. Um, Do you
0: love 21 receptions halfway through the season?
1: I, I mean, it's good, but it's kind of fake because yeah. it's also only what? 80 yards so four yards eight, per reception
0: huh? yeah if we're yeah. doing quick math
1: that that was so quick it made my head spin <laughs> i didn't even realize what you said it was so quick <laughs> um but yeah last year he had 13 receptions 104 yards so you can look at like oh he's catching the ball more but it, i mean it's all just little checkdowns, and he's not doing much with it so uh, we talked about that early in the year, where I mean, it's inflated numbers due to the scheme that they're running, and it's not like as real. I'd like to see them run some more halfback screens because he's, I mean, if you can get him with a couple linemen out in front of him in open space against defensive backs, goodbye. Hello, this is my guy. Um, but not seeing that very frequently so uh the one thing that i love is he just does not go down on first content first contact and that is the staple of if you're going to be this big that's what you got to do i mean it's the the anti-ha dylan where you are this big and you're built to run between the tackles you got to be able to break that first tackle, and that's what leads to having six yards per carry is because you break that first tackle and you fall forward for that four or five yards, and then you can break one every once in a while. Sorry, so A.J. Dillon, for You the don't shot.
0: agree with the A.J. Dillon comps that I saw on the timeline this <laughs> weekend? Because I did see that.
1: Is that because they both live in Wisconsin? Yeah. I feel like that's got to be the only way you can compare them.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, it's got to be were they both in door county for a weekend
0: yeah just hanging out on the in uh fish creek hell yeah great place (laughs) (laughs) um okay let's i want to talk about another running back because trey benson's up next oh right trey benson yeah you remember that guy i yeah, I do. <laughs> so what I'm learning here is that we're both holding on to our RB ones pretty <laughs> tightly. We're not letting them go. I have this full tear break between Trey Benson and and Braylon Allen. um That is, I will 100% admit it. I'm not too proud to say it. Me being hopeful and stubborn that this is still the player I saw in 2022 because that player to me was exceptional. And I don't know, well we were starting to get into this earlier in the episode. I don't know what the problem is. I haven't watched the tape yet, but I will. And at that point in time, when I watch Trey Benson's 2023 film and think about what is going on here, then I'll have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. With is this real regression? Is this a product of something in the offense? What is going on? But for right now, I'm just holding firm that this is the best running back in this class and a player that can be a difference maker. I, I, the 79 missed tackles number still lives very large in my head. And some of the things he put on film in 2022 were, like I said, just exceptional for a running back, a player that you can see coming into the league and being a real difference maker at the running back position. It's not the same player in 2023, and we're going to find out why.
1: Yeah, I I think that's the key is like when we get into breakdown in the offseason and we can watch every snap from multiple angles, we can see what's going on with these Trey Benson runs because there are games where he looks like the same guy from 2022 and then I mean there's more games where he does not and that that's the question that's going to be in the air for me and that's why I have him lower because I feel like we're seeing more often than not the the other Trey Benson you know, and I just want to see the, the productive, the bouncy, the, the bursty Trey Benson more frequently. And that's why I keep asking Florida state for more carries for Trey Benson. I'm, I'm emailing them. I'm sending them handwritten letters. I'm calling the front office. I'm like, Hey guys, is there any way that we could get Trey Benson the ball more? I'll give you a small financial, uh, (laughs) send him like two bucks or something i don't have much money so uh yeah I, i'm like hey can we get trey benson the ball a few more times and trying to evaluate this guy so um i mean there's so much potential for benson so there's top five potential for trey benson in this class so i can totally see it but i just have not seen it so i i can't have him up there right now
0: i get it i do and running backs, one way or another, man, they go in these it's drafts. True. And we're going to find out where and who and all of the questions we have. But right now, this top four doesn't include a running back, and I don't know that it will because these are special players. We're going to start with number four. Who do you have in that spot? I have Malik Neighbors
1: as number four, LSU wide receiver. Uh, He has been as advertised this season. Um, I mean, the the LSU passing game and Jaden Daniels has been funneling through Malik Neighbors. He's been a big play threat. I mean, one of the the better downfield receivers in this class. Uh, He's a good separator. He can play from all three wide receiver spots. Uh, There's not a lot that I can complain about Malik Neighbors' game. I mean, he's just such a smooth player. He plays at a, a different speed than the guys across from him, it just feels like they're you know stuck in the mud that their shoes are filled with concrete when he is putting the the brakes on and getting in and out of his brakes it is just kind of astounding to to watch so uh neighbors is at four and i feel weird about it because it's like man i wish this player was higher but The other three are just... The other three?
0: Last week, we gave Neighbors a badge. Week six, his performance against Missouri. And I said, man, it feels like he's just taking hold of this wide receiver two spot. And he's not letting it go. And one week later, Malik Neighbors... Is my wide receiver three (laughs) and he's in my number four spot. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's just a product of what this top end looks like. I I know this is, this is an incredible player. Yeah. And there is no reason that he should not be the player below Marvin Harrison jr. But that, that's what I'm saying with these wide receivers. Uh, Everything you said about him totally checks out. He is the player in a class full of these X wide receivers, these big guys. He is more of that slot weapon type who's going to play out. He, I mean, he certainly will play outside, but more of that flanker type, get him into the slot, move him around. I mean, he's a pure separator. He's a pure, you know, middle of the field weapon get him matched up in those spots, uh, but he's also going to win down the field. And that killer slot fade that has been happening all year that the defenses just cannot figure out how to stop him on. I mean, he's winning at all levels. He's separating, you know, with the best of them. And the hands are good. The contested stuff is good. I mean, middle of the field stuff, you see him coming in, bringing these passes in. Last two years combined, 19 for 33 uncontested opportunities. So it's a player that really anything you're asking him to do, he's excelling at it. Uh, And it's going to be the sort of player I said earlier in the year, top 20 NFL upside. I think all three of these wide receivers that we're going to talk about yet, we're talking top 15 type names. I think we're going to – it's, it's going to be that kind of year. Drake London goes eight. Olave goes – what? Garrett Wilson goes. James Williams – like, it's going to be that kind of year, I think, with these players.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, And you mentioned his exceptional production out of the slot, and I, I'd say he's good out of the slot. He's good out of the Z flanker. I mean, he can play X. He doesn't play X a ton uh the four games in which he's played 50 percent or more of his snaps in the slot are his four best games of the season um so that is week three four five and six that he's played 50 and above in the slot and he's had over 100 yards in all of those games and 239 in one of those games so uh he is a a very good player and um he's the one who usurped Keshawn last year to take on that you know next wide receiver out of LSU mantle and see if uh he can hold on to it and you know make the his predecessors proud a little bit better than Keshawn
0: luckily <laughs> fortunately for us yeah all right let's talk about the next player your number three player is is a tight end brock bowers out of
1: georgia do you have him higher sure do okay i figured that you would um well, let's, we'll talk about him here because uh, I'm sure our next three players are all going to be the same in different orders. Our next two players, I should say. So we'll go Brock Bowers here, and then we'll talk about my number two, your number three next. Um, Brock Bowers, uh, what else can we say about him? Uh, he is been a freak he had a three-week stretch where he was never under 120 yards and that is just wild for a tight end he is a great 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 blocker i will not let anybody forget it and that allows him to be a absolute menace in the play action game so i mean george's scheme is so friendly to him and that does help a lot. That, that inside zone pin that he does, and then the leak out that they do off of it gets him a lot of these easy, easy looks where he can run after the catch, but that's what you should be doing for a guy like this. You should be scheming him open, and you should be using him as your number one weapon. You should be using him as a player that is going to be a threat blocking also, so... Brock Bowers is my number three player. This makes me hella nervous because he's a tight end. Uh, But when we're going off of talent alone and what he's doing, he deserves it.
0: Yeah, I I mean, well, first and foremost, his season is over. So... That is something that we now have to reconcile. We don't know the nature of the injury because of this co- the college stuff that you you've been beating the drum about. I mean, we don't exactly know what it is or
1: ankle surgery.
0: Yeah, he's it's an ankle injury. He's getting surgery. He is likely to be out for the rest of the season. Is what I've got I saw.
1: high ankle sprain.
0: Okay. So, that's the that's the only bad news right now yeah. with Brock Bowers is that we do not get to watch him play football anymore um, this year because what a blast it w- it has been for the last several weeks here getting to talk about him, seeing him hit his stride because there weren't any surprises here. We knew coming into the year what this player was the level of talent that he had. I mean, go all the way back to 2021 talk about, don't look too far in the future. Well, here's one of the players that, that said, yeah, go right ahead. Cause I'm going to be there in two years when it's time for the NFL draft. And he's going to be that player. This injury is not stopping it. Nothing's going to stop it. He will be what is most likely a top 10 NFL draft pick at this position. Uh, and For me, I keep saying, I'm taking generational talents. I'm getting generational talents on my Dynasty team, and we're going to figure it out from there. And this is one of them. And no, the tight end position in Dynasty doesn't scare me. No, I'm not going to dock him because of the position that he plays. He's an elite playmaker. He is a great blocker. He will make an instant impact in the NFL. I can almost guarantee that. And the ceiling is unlimited.
1: Uh, just so you know, you, you broke the news that his season was done to me.
0: Really? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that when you had I to was, hear that from me. It's okay. I,
1: I knew that he left early from the Vanderbilt game. But I didn't know that he was undergoing season-ending ankle injury. So I'm I'm a little I'm <laughs> you shell-shocked. are going to be able right to
0: finish now. this one? <laughs> I, I'm,
1: I'm doing my best to collect my thoughts right now. I mean, this is bad news, man. <laughs> uh, damn. Brock yeah. Bowers. It's okay. I just saw the last okay. one.
0: We'll, we'll talk about him in a few months. The all good news again. Talk about how incredible he is. We'll get all sorts of Kyle Pitts conversations. Everyone's going to love it. <laughs> Kyle Pitts. We love talking about Kyle Pitts. Right? Kyle Pitts,
1: two weeks in a row.
0: Hey. Hell yeah. There's going to be a lot of insufferable comments, <laughs> dunking, receipt grabbing from me, you know, in the I next few it. weeks. Anyway. Anyway, now that we, I,
1: I'm... Morning.
0: There's going to be plenty of time to talk about Brock Bowers, and we will get there. The next player is one that I'm really excited to talk about because, unlike Bowers and unlike Marvin Harrison Jr., this is a player that was not on our radar necessarily. We knew the name, we had the name in our back pocket, but Not in this capacity. Not a player that you expect to be talking about top three coming into this draft season. But through one half of this season, Keon Coleman has done just that. He has not only announced himself to Camp Dynasty, but he has seized hold of this elite draft position in a loaded draft class. And the play that I want to talk about is the play that single-handedly snatched him back the wide receiver two spot just when I was ready to give it to Malik Neighbors and let let him run away with it. Keon Coleman soars 40 inches into the air and grabs a ball with one hand, and you start to think to yourself, this just might be the next best thing to Marvin Harrison Jr., in the upcoming draft class. Yeah, we,
1: I mean, I didn't expect to be here uh, with Coleman. I didn't expect to be at my number two overall player and my wide receiver too. but here we are. And earlier... This week I saw an article from Sports Illustrated in 2021, The College Football Preview, about Keon Coleman coming into Michigan State as a freshman. And it was the headline was the Michigan State freshman could go down in history as the greatest dual sport athlete of all time. And I unfortunately could not find the article again. I was trying really hard Uh, but the, the other, um, the other headlines that are just on the cover of the sports illustrated with a picture of Keon Coleman in both football and basketball Jersey are, could Coleman be the first to win the Heisman and the Naismith? This is the, the, the caliber of athlete. Let's just say that Keon Coleman is, I mean, three-star basketball recruit and a four-star football recruit if i got that right because i don't understand things and you are <laughs> the one that can research this, this i stuff. trust
0: you wholeheartedly thank you
1: uh now that i've really supported myself <laughs> uh, he's having a fantastic season and he's making defenders look stupid week in and week out and that's what i need my number one wide receiver to do i mean i need you to go up over the top of people and catch it on their head and then like tap the top of your head and tell them they're too little Uh, i need you to hurdle people in one smooth motion and then run into the end zone Uh, make one-handed catches that look really easy but if i ever tried to do that in my life i'd probably sprain multiple ligaments i mean he's just a freaky athlete that is bringing it all together into a
0: great wide receiver. That's really what it is because based on what I've seen from Coleman, I mean, he's not close to the level of a technician of Malik neighbors. Like I actually am curious when I dive into the film, like what, What does the route running really look like? Because you see a lot of these plays, the highlight grabs and all of that, you see that, but what does he look like on a route-to-route basis? Is he separating? Is he running a a, a lot of varied routes? These are questions that I can't say I have definitive answers to right now. But what you just said about this player's athleticism and the ceiling that he has – I mean, there is no NFL team right now that isn't looking at this guy and thinking, what can this player be for my team? Because the sky feels like the limit. I mean, 6'4", 215, extreme athlete. The basketball background shows up every single week with the vertical and the highlight reel grabs and going over the top of guys. And then this catch this week was arguably the best of them all where I don't even know how he got that high pulls it in with the one hand. I mean, Ed, the, the entire internet crashed for a second when he made that play. And that's the kind of stuff, man, that it's, it's sending him straight to the top of this class. And um, like I said, We're going to dive into the tape. We're going to see what does this really look like. But early impressions, there's no way that you can't watch what he's doing on a week-to-week basis and think, yeah, this is going to be one of the top four players in this draft class.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm watching his uh, high school basketball highlights right now. Yeah.
0: (laughs) He's so
1: good. man. This is, I mean, the bounce that he has is just effortless, just going up and, like, dunking on. Uh, I mean, they are little white kids, I must say, and it is Keon Coleman, so it's tough, but uh, just a a freak in every sense of the word when you talk about athleticism. And uh, I'm not... Probably not going to get him on any of my dynasty teams with the outlooks of my first-round picks, and that makes me sick. Sick brag. Well, that's not a good thing because <laughs> I want Keon Coleman on my team. It's because I don't have any firsts <laughs> I get in it. one of my leagues. And the other one, they're too high.
0: 44 targets, zero drops. Yep. Keon Coleman. Hell yeah. All right. One last player. No surprises, no shocks. It's been this way since whenever we started talking about players, July at some point. Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr., I believe I said this summer, maybe not quite as much of a Sharpie as Bijan, but pretty much the next closest thing. And now in the month of October, I'm just going to sit here and say, yeah, it's, it's over. old. He's the one-on-one it's it's people are dynasty teams around the world are trying to figure out. Will I get the chance to draft this player next summer? And it's because of the level of talent that he has. And that has not gone anywhere because the 2023 season has been phenomenal despite the difference in scenery and quarterback play and everything going on with Ohio State, this player has not missed a beat.
1: Yeah, he's been just as good as we've wanted him to be. I mean, talk about quarterback proof. Because we we talked about Emeka Ibuka being affected by Kyle McCord's ineptitude. Um, and, I mean, he's getting it done, but McCord finally realized that when you throw it to 18, good things happen. And it has produced great results for Ohio State. I think s- McCord's first six passes in week seven went to Marvin Harrison. And it was like four completions for 62 yards and a touchdown. And that's, that's the type of stuff that we're looking for. Because just get this guy the ball and good things happen. Uh, he is an elite separator. He can make essentially every catch there is in the book. I mean, I don't know what kind of catch radius he has i don't I don't know if there's a spot you can put it in like a five yard radius around him where he won't be able to have a chance to go get it uh talk about how he is uh, in contested catch situations
0: well so here's what i want to ask you let's let's do it so we're t- we talk about this player yeah and how, you know, write it in stone, set it up, you know, it's over. It's going into the year. Realistically, if you look at his season, he has regressed. It's true. In several areas, one of which, and most notably in contested situations. One area that he really shined last year, and I think one of the areas that really sent him over the edge as like, yeah, you can literally do everything is that he had 18 contested catches on 30 opportunities. And a lot of those were in the red zone. And a lot of those were crazy, ridiculous highlight reel catches this year, two contested catches on 12 opportunities for 16%. And the other number I want to bring up is that this last week against Purdue three drops brings him to five on the year and that is a nearly 14 percent drop rate so the hands maybe not quite what they were during the special 2022 campaign is there any reason to put stock in these numbers uh kind of dramatically changing so i want to talk about
1: Kyle McCord versus C.J. Stroud. Because I, I think what we're looking at, and I'm not going to say it's all on the quarterback because that's not true. I mean, the drops are drops. Uh, PFF is usually pretty generous with drops. And so if they credit you with a drop, it's a drop. Like, you, you probably dropped the ball. Um, so... I'm not too concerned about his hands. I mean, I think we have a big enough sample size at this point where we don't have to, like, oh, is Marvin Harrison... Uh, I think we're okay there. Uh, The contested catches is where I have a little bit of an issue because the thing about the Stroud contested catches and the McCord contested catches is... Stroud is putting it up in a way where Marvin Harrison can go up and get it over the top of a defender. Uh, McCord, it seems to be a lot of the back shoulder opportunities where it's a lot harder to make that catch because you can't use that, you know, six foot four and that athleticism to go and, you know, pluck it over the top of them. You got to kind of try to maneuver around them. And so I think, a part of the contested catch numbers play into the quarterbacking. Uh, Obviously it's not all of it, but I think that that is, that tells part of the story at least.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. I think we, we know what was the situation last year with Stroud, a player that we loved a lot and who has proven that he is an NFL quarterback through and through and a potentially very, very good one. And I, I do, I do agree with what you're saying where contested catches. Yeah. It's a wide receiver stat and all that, but it's going to be dependent on where the ball is being placed. Are you giving that player an opportunity, a, a good opportunity to make that play? And that's one thing where when we really dive into the tape this year, the story will come out a lot clearer, but based on what I've seen and based on, you know, kind of knowing this situation is not nearly the same, I think it's pretty clear to say that 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 number isn't entirely on Marvin. Uh, And so it's it's nothing where, you know, you're suddenly concerned with his ability to to make those tough catches. I, I don't have that concern at all so yeah
1: I agree and uh, another thing that I wanted to add is McCord's under pressure a lot like this this O line I want to reiterate we I talked about it a little bit with Travion Henderson is not as good as it was last year and that shows up in the pass protection as well as the run game I mean if you look at this Purdue game Uh, mccord is throwing from a back foot pretty frequently he's throwing from you know not advantageous positions we'll say and that is also affecting ball placement quite a bit and making marvin harrison go back to underthrown balls quite a bit and then that is also going to be affecting so i don't want to say it's solely on mccord but I mean, it's all a function of how this offense is working right now, and it's a little bit flawed.
0: So, what we've learned in this very extended but very fun glimpse into the 2024 campers and how they are stacking up halfway through the 2023 season is that the top end is kind of still the same with the guy we have on top, but some new names emerging on top and, and certainly a lot of movement compared to where we were only a few short months ago and certainly more movement to come. So it's a fun class. It's a deep class. There's a lot of talent here. 12 deep we were today and there were still guys that I was excited about that I am excited about. We had, you know, multiple players that made it onto each other's lists that weren't on the other, you know. It's it's that sort of a class I I am very excited about it. And if the running backs find their footing and we get to a spot where we can feel confident about any number of these guys, you're starting to talk about something that's potentially special. So mm-hmm. Very exciting. Uh, any names? Quickly, lightning <laughs> gun. Quickly, stuff, yeah. We're getting I, the rap from yeah, from the producers. The, I'm, yep, I got it in my ear. Like, come on, figure this out. Uh, any names? Just my what, my you, two that
1: uh, missed the cut were Travion Henderson and Drake May. So I'll we we talked about both of them. Uh, those are my two honorable mentions.
0: Okay, so. For me, there really there's I mean, there's a ton of names. Like we could sit here all night and be like, Oh yeah, the third round, man, crazy. But (laughs) the one name that really is standing out to me at this point in time as a name that I want to become more familiar with that I think could have a, a bigger impact on this class than maybe it seems like right now is Marshawn Lloyd from USC, the running back that we gave a badge to a few weeks ago and he's having an, a great season. And every time I watch USC play, which has been a lot this year, Marshawn Lloyd pops. He has big time burst. Like that is immediate. He has that lightning quick shot out of a cannon type of a burst where he diagnoses the play and he's gone. And then he gets to the second level and he has the ability to make people miss and he has the ability to run through guys. So in a class where, yeah, there's a lot of questions here and blah, blah, blah. I was very tempted to throw Marshawn Lloyd into the first round already. I'm not there quite yet, but this is, this is a name that I think we're going to be paying closer attention to over the final seven weeks of this season.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think in, season that we were going to be closely watching usc it was interesting to see the running back be one of the main players that we are paying attention to because it seems like nobody has grabbed a firm hold on that spot that was held by jordan addison last year as the bona fide wide receiver one of the you know Caleb Williams' favorite guy, um, but the the second player in this offense that we might be paying attention to after Caleb Williams is Marshawn Lloyd, and so we'll see how high he might go if he ends up getting into the fringe of this first round. We'll see, um, but definitely an interesting player that we'll be definitely watching one way or another.
0: Also, Bucky Irving. Real player, good player, not afraid of the size. We're learning size doesn't matter. I'll be a Bucky Irving fan this year. Size
1: has never mattered.
0: (laughs) All right. That is mid-season, top 12 and a little bit extra. Like I said, a lot of fun and a lot of fun left to go. We have seven more weeks of fun back to our regularly scheduled programming next week with week eight badges and all of that so if you enjoyed hearing our little mid-season recap of what's going on be sure to find us on x formerly known as twitter which eventually we're going to stop saying but i'm not there quite yet i don't know if we will stop saying it i eventually right well no you know what if we don't ever let it die then it's never truly dead that's right at camp underscore dynasty is how you find us there. And check out our TikTok channel at camp.dynasty, where Popping. we now have several videos going up every single week. So if you want a little bit of a glimpse at what's going on on the YouTube channel, you can check us out on TikTok. Or you could just subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's just Camp Dynasty, where video feeds of the pods go up every week single week Colin has a new background very very tranquil very nice camp themed background so check Peaceful that out over here I'm liking it a lot I kind of want one of my own but <laughs> uh and of course like rate subscribe review follow and share the podcast feed which is still the bread and butter at Camp Dynasty you can only get the campfire crackling on the podcast feed you're not going to get that on YouTube. So. Be sure to check us out there as well
1: hell yeah have a great week everybody and next time you speak to us austin will be
0: a married man it's true i am getting married this weekend so no college football on saturday for me maybe a little bit No. <laughs> just kidding
1: I'll do, a, I'll do i'll have it in the pocket you know? yeah i'll, I'll
0: be elbow and on? Up. <laughs> All right. Thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week, and we'll see you next week.